You're listening to Behind the Bliss, a weekly podcast where Rachel Autry brings conversations to you from women that share what's behind their highlight reel. Each episode is designed for you to see a message from the mess and encourage you to find balance in the bliss. We know that what you're facing is important for shaping who God has created you to be. Some may say it's a process that often happens behind the bliss. Here's today's episode. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Autry, and today's show is amazing. I left with so many good tangible tips on how to navigate my difficult relationships that I have in my life that honestly, I think everyone has some sort of difficult relationship in their life. Maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's an in-law or a coworker or whatever. I would challenge you to think through the people in your life that maybe just bother you a little bit. Maybe you resent them a little bit, which sounds awful, like for sure, as it's coming out of my mouth. I'm like, I would never (laughs) resent someone or despise going to work with somebody. But unfortunately, that is what happens when humans live with humans. There's character differences, different preferences, opinions. You add politics and family dynamics and all the things, and it just can get super messy. So I can guarantee you, maybe there's going to be one person in your life that bothers you a bit, maybe even several people in your life that bother you a bit. And I want to welcome you to today's show because we're talking all through how to navigate these types of difficult relationships, whether they are the people that you're not super close with, but you have to tolerate because you work with them. Or maybe it's people that you have a lot of emotional equity with that you really want to learn how to love them well, even though they annoy the fire out of you. Because let's face it, when someone else bothers you, it kind of can ruin holidays. It can ruin days that could be potentially beautiful. It can even do a lot of harm to the things that are going on in your own heart and your own mind and the ways that you think and act that, of course, we would never want to. So In order to protect yourself, to regulate yourself, to have the most honoring conversations, and truly just to be the best version of you, highly recommend continuing to listen to this episode with today's guest, Liz Earnshaw. Y'all, when I tell you Liz is an actual genius, as we talk through this episode, you're going to be nodding your head, wanting to stop, pause, take notes, because it is so good. And she has amazing practicals that you can start in your relationships today to find peace and joy and patience and all the things that you might be lacking in those difficult relationships right now. Hey, Liz, welcome to Behind the Bliss podcast. You are like one of our dream girls when it comes to this whole topic and really all things learning yourself, trying to be healthy in your headspace and your heart space and like being aligned in life. And so this is like a real privilege for me to be able to actually sit here and talk to you in real life. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah. Okay. Wait. So for the people that maybe aren't equally obsessed with you, which they will be at the end of the episode, um, you are really like genius expert girl when it comes to Really like all things in my, this is how I would describe you. So I'm really sorry if I say this wrong and offend somebody. I can't wait to hear it. Um, I would describe you as being like an expert in challenging yourself to become a better version of yourself, which I think is like really difficult to do well because 
there's so many people I feel like in this space that can go like super hardcore one way or the other. Like you're the worst, like become better, especially like in the Christian culture. But then like on the other side of things, it's almost like a do what you need to do, girl. Take your time. Love yourself. There's no I don't rush. care about anybody things. else. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, but what the heck? There's got to be a balance. And I feel like there, there is like there's potential to be at least. And like there's healthy places from both sides. But anyways, this is just really hard. This is really hard to navigate. And then you become an adult and you have these relationships in your life that are so dynamic for lots of reasons, work, friends, family. And you just like realize at some point I don't actually have this figured out and I'm not maybe as healthy as I thought I was or the relationships I'm in aren't as healthy as and safe as I like would hope they are so anyways that's where we're going today for people listening we're gonna go there we're diving right in I love it it's a great time is that how you would describe yourself I want to hear how you would describe Liz I Tell like about how you. you described it. I, I think that when it comes to myself professionally, I like to be a relationship realist. And so love it. what I mean by that is exactly what you said. You know, I think that there's people out there where it's like a little too woo-woo. Oh my gosh, you should yeah. speak like this all the time. Then, you know, be honorable with your word every second of the day and blah, blah, blah. You'd be perfect. Or there's people on the other end where it's like, don't care about other people. <laughs> have, Mm -hmm. you know, say what you want and they should accept you however you are. And And I I like to be a little bit more in the middle because that's real. Um, Yes. And I think it allows space for us to be human while still being responsible for other human beings. So good. Like human, but responsible for other humans. Yes. I love that. Because I think that's right. Like we can be both. And I think that when you're not your best version of yourself, it totally reflects on the things you do, the people that you love, the way you're able to love them. And so this is not as selfish of a concept as people think, as far as like trying to get healthy within yourself. Yeah. It's not, or like, it, you know, I think people look at this as maybe more selfish than it should be, but it's needed and necessary. I think that's because of what you were saying, which is that a lot of the advice we get is on one end of the spectrum or the other. And so when people are thinking about changing their dynamics, all they've seen out there is, well, if I'm not going to do it this way, I'm going to have to do it in this complete other direction. And that feels overwhelming. And and sometimes it doesn't like fit with who people are within their personality type. So yeah, it's, it's kind of scary sometimes. It is. So I want to just preface this for people listening. If this is your first episode in a while, hey, welcome. (laughs) We are going through a really fun series this summer. It's all about awkward, taboo type topics. And so this one that I'm excited to just dive into and discover today is navigating difficult relationships, which I would challenge that I think everyone's got some kind of tricky relationship in their life, whether it's your in-laws or even like someone in your own biological family or somebody in your nuclear non-biological family. Like if, you know, if you've stepped into something else, like I think work relationships, ex relationships. Oh my gosh. There's like so many things. Neighbors. So (laughs) neighbors. Good one. Yeah. So I feel like anyone can really relate to this or glean something from this. And so I'm so excited to just go there. I want to ask you this one big question though. First, Um, how can someone realize or take a pause type moment and think like, hmm, maybe this relationship isn't 
what I thought it was going to be. You're like, my expectations for this relationship aren't like, let's go with the neighbors. Like you move in, they didn't bring you the cookies. And in fact, they're trying to sue you because something's on their property line. Like that kind of tricky thing. Sadly, very, I mean, that's an extreme. very real example. Sadly. Yes, sadly, but it's like so real. I mean, it's a potential or it's like, you know, those neighbors that you share a wall with that are so loud and listen to Parks and Rec like on extreme blast and you like cannot do the theme song anymore we've had one of those um <laughs> like like I just think that there's a way to approach things respectfully to honor yourself to become another like I was saying earlier the best version of yourself but I want to hear from you let's say someone is in a tricky situation right now like what foundation grounds would you set for them well First of all, if you're in a tricky situation and maybe you're the type of person who kind of sweeps that under the rug because you want to think that you can just like get over things or that, you know, maybe I sh- it shouldn't bother me that my neighbor's loud or whatever it is. One way you can tell that it's starting to become problematic is if you're feeling resentment and if you're gossiping about the person a lot. So if those two things are happening, then we know that something needs to change here because right. while gossip can be really cathartic and helpful for a moment, if you're just continuing to have to talk about this person all of the time to everybody, then what it means is that you're not dealing with it in a way that's going to change anything for you. And so if you wow. notice that those two things are happening, let's say that you're constantly you know, rolling your eyes at your neighbor or you're telling everybody that will listen how much you hate your coworker. There's something that's going to have to change in how you're navigating that situation because we can't change other people, right? You're not necessarily going to be able to make your coworker behave differently or your neighbor behave differently. But what you can do is you can figure out how to work within that relationship, especially if it's a relationship you have to be in. You know, I'm thinking about the coworker relationship and the neighbor and maybe an in-law or something like that, where you can't say, I don't want to be friends with you anymore and I don't have to see you. Something's going to have to change because you can't live with all that resentment inside you. That's like poison, right? And so if anybody's listening, I just want you to think about your relationships. And I want you to think, like, are there people that I feel resentful of? And because of that resentment, I'm gossiping about them a lot instead of dealing with them directly. So that would be the first thing I would say to do. That's a good sign. That's a good indicator of like how you feel. Because I think a lot of times I try to convince myself, like I can tolerate them. Like I'm fine. Like I'll be fine. And then when you get in those moments, you truly become a different person, no matter how much work behind the scenes you've done. And then that's a good teller. Like maybe... Yeah, maybe this bothers me a little bit more than I thought. Exactly. And like the ownership it takes up in your own heart is like not what it should be. So exactly. I like that. Exactly. And just like you said, usually when people are doing that, it's because they've convinced themselves this, it bothers me, but I can tolerate it. I'm somebody who's able to be uncomfortable. I, I can deal with discomfort. But clearly you can't if you're having to kind of vomit that discomfort over everybody else. (laughs) Um, And so something that I think is really important to think about here is what we call triangulation. So when we have really good relational awareness, we kind of recognize what we're doing to people, right? And if we're having this resentment or this frustration with somebody, what starts to happen if we don't deal with it directly is we start to do something called triangulation where we bring other people into the situation so that we can discharge that negative energy. 
that negative energy needs to come out. So it comes out to a friend or it comes out to our, you know, let's say we don't like our in-law. So we're discharging that energy to our best friend and talking about how much we dislike the in-law where we're discharging it to our partner and talking about how much we don't like their parents or whatever it is. The problem is, is that this energy is then going to an outside source who can do nothing about it most of the time. And so it's going to bounce back and it's just going to stay within you. And if we're having good relational awareness, then we recognize that that other person has now been brought into a situation that feels really bad for us. And now they're having to live with the energy too. Hmm, that's good. When triangulation is in play, something that's really important is to figure out how do I make the energy stay between me and this other person? Or is there a way I can use triangulation to actually get the energy to go to the right place? Because otherwise it's just going to get stuck in a space where it can't be resolved. That's good. That is so good. I think guess is like, it's the route that is so easy to take because I think that's just like our natural behavior is let me pull someone else in and what is it, quote unquote, pick their brain. I'm like, let me just like pick your brain about a situation in my life. And then you're right. like word vomit. Right. And it's kind of sad too, because I think my attempt is exactly that. Like, I'm just need to get this off my chest. But what I've really done is I've like shared the burden with someone who I might not have the context for what's going on in their day that day. Like I could have added something to their plate that if I, if I had an idea or stepped back, just be a little bit more selfless, I would have realized like, I did not know that you already were having a really crappy day. And then I told you about my crappy day, you know, I don't know. So stuff like that, there's so much, there's like a, a lot of dynamics. Yes. So I love the idea of just figuring out like, where to put the negative energy. Can I ask you yeah. if you can tell us <laughs> where, yeah. like, so we're like so pent up, so angry, so frustrated, like, you know, writing in your journal, screaming in a pillow, like can only help so much. Like practically what do you do when you're just like, I can't take it anymore Yes, without having to like sell your house or find a new apartment or like whatever or it quit takes. your job <laughs> or quit your job. Right. Like without taking like the extreme precautions to avoid this, like what do we actually do realistically? So there's a couple things we can do. One is that I, I don't want anybody to walk away from this thinking you can't spill your guts to your friends or your family members and complain. Complaining is a totally normal thing that we do. But what you want to watch out for is that energy getting stuck. And so if you are, quote, triangulating someone, if you're bringing in a third party, do you allow them to then give you feedback about how to get that energy to a more productive place? So if I'm saying to my friend, I can't stand my in-laws, da, 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 they, they always come over without asking. And my friend says something like, what do you think would be helpful? Am I willing to answer that question? Or do I say to them, I, nothing's ever going to help. If my friend says, you know, something you could try is X, Y, and Z. Am I willing to then move that energy towards trying something new? So one thing we want to think about is when we are bringing in a third party, are we utilizing them as a jumping off point to actually manage this problem? Sometimes we bring in somebody and it totally is enough to listen and that kind of resolves it for us. But if it's not resolving it and if we're complaining about it every single week, then we need to allow people to help us move out of the triangulation. The second thing that we can think about is that in any relationship, we only have three options for dealing with a difficult situation. And that kind of makes it a little bit easier to boil down what are we going to do. The first option is to tolerate it. 
and to accept that you're tolerating it. So accepting is very different than tolerating. Accepting means, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to own that I have decided to put up with this. And so that might be saying something like, I love my apartment. I love it. My neighbors are jerks, but I really like my apartment, which means that I'm just going to recognize that no matter what, there's going to be noise every Friday night and I'm going to accept that. And based off of accepting it, I'm going to make sure that I get earplugs or on Friday nights, I go hang out at a friend's house and I don't try to have people over. So that's one choice. The second choice is to try something different. So in the relationship, you might say, I'm going to try something to navigate this problem that's different than what I've been trying. So maybe what I'll do is I'll go over and knock on the door. I haven't done it before, but I'll go knock on the door and say, hey, I hate to be a buzzkill. I know you're having so much fun, but I'm trying to get some sleep. Could you know you uh, bring the volume down a little bit? Maybe you say, well, I've already tried that. So maybe you get the building involved. Maybe you've already tried that. So maybe you move your bedroom to another room. I don't know. So trying something different can look like a lot of different things. And then the third option is always to leave the relationship. And of course, that's usually people's last option, right? Um, If we're talking about a neighbor, that's not that easy. But there is always that option of, I can't tolerate it or accept it. I've tried every possible solution and it's still making me miserable. And because of that, I'm going to have to find a way then to remove myself because I can't wait for other people to remove themselves for me. And so that's your third option. So you have to kind of think which of these options do I want to take? Which direction do I want to take with this dilemma? Right. And I think this too applies two different ways because you have the people in your life, like coworkers, neighbors that maybe you're not like emotionally intimate with like, there's not a lot of relational equity there. Like family members are like really good friendships, but then you do have the family members and the good friendships. And you're like, okay, I have tolerated or I've tried something new, but she's still my sister. So like, what the heck? Or like she's, you know, she's still my mom. She's still my friend or he is still my brother. Like you fill in your own blank if you're listening. But I think that's the tricky part of figuring out, huh, (laughs) I can't pick a new person like this. Yeah. What do I do? Is that where boundaries and trying to almost prep yourself for situations and all that come in? I would love for you to to share because I I do think there's a lot of those people listening that are like, it's my in-law or it is. And they come to this episode with that person in their mind, you know? Yes. So when there's that emotional equity, it's different, but you still only have the three choices. So nothing changes there. You can say, (laughs) sorry, um, kids. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You still only have the three choices. But let me tell you, (laughs) I wish there was a magic pill. I always tell my clients, I wish there was a magic pill we could like put in their drink and suddenly they would stop being such a pain in the butt. But there is pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, I'm like, great invention out there one day. I'll see that on Shark Tank in a yes, few years. Yes. So, but the way that that would look, and there's actually two examples I want to give. One where it's your own family or your own friend, and one where it's your partner's friends or family. There's Ooh, two yeah. different okay. ways of dealing with that. Still the same three choices. So if it's your own family, you can say, let's use the example of, let's say you have a brother who every time you go to a holiday, they're drunk and it ruins the holiday. And so you have to say to yourself, I have three choices for navigating my relationship with my brother. One is that I accept that this is how my brother is. 
I've brought it up to my brother a million times. They still get drunk. My parents have brought it up. They're, you know, this, this is how they are right now. They're not going to change. So in accepting that, then I get to make a lot of, I'm not going to fight with it anymore. I'm no longer going to try to influence it. I'm no longer going to go into the holiday with a different expectation. I'm actually going to practice settling with the reality that my brother's probably going to be drunk. Well, if I accept that, then what does that mean about how I have to go into those situations? By accepting it, it might mean I'm not going to go to Christmas because I don't like it. They, my brother always yells at me. It might mean I'm going to go to Christmas, but because I accept that they're going to get drunk, you know, I'm only going to stay for two hours because I know by 9 p.m. it's a disaster. So accepting it then gives you options for how you're just going to take care of yourself it means you're no longer wrangling with how to change the person. Yes. Now the other option is saying, I don't want to accept it. And I actually do think there's wiggle room. And let me see if we can try something different. And that might look like saying to your brother, I'm really concerned about your drinking. And can we work together so that we can try to figure this out? You know, it really sucks. When I know you don't like it either. It sucks when Christmas gets ruined. And maybe next year, what we could try is let's not have any alcohol at Christmas. What do you think about that? And then maybe that person says, yeah, let's try it. And that might change the relationship. Maybe you say, let's go to family therapy. Maybe you say, hey, would you be open to me going to a first counseling session with you? And we could kind of see what's going on. That's what it looks like to have that second path. The third path is always an option. It's the option that I recommend the least because emotional cutoff is often the same as enmeshment. It comes from just as a reactive place. It's just as reactive to be taking care of someone too much as it is to say, F you, I don't want to be connected anymore. Right. And then there's grief attached to it because you're losing someone in your life. Yes. There's so much attached to that. Of course, last option. I totally get that. But sometimes, and for anybody listening, if you've had to do it, sometimes it is the option, right? Like if every time you're around your sibling, they're really mean to you or abusive and you've tried things, then you might have to say, I'm going to grieve this, but the relationship can't, can't continue. There's also grief in the acceptance choice. There's not as much grief in the middle choice, but there's a good point. Yeah. You know, it sucks to say, you know, my mom is never going to be the mom I thought that she was going to be, or my brother. And I thought my brother and I were going to be adventure buddies in adulthood. And my brother won't even get on a plane with me. And I have to grieve that. Right. So there's grief. So when you're dealing with your people, your friends, your family, then those are your choices. Either, you know, accept it figure out what your limits and boundaries are, try to change the dynamic or end the relationship. It's a little different if it's somebody else's people. And that's a little bit more complicated. So if it's your partner's father, let's say, um, I could use the same example. Let's say your partner's father comes over and every time they come over, they um, criticize your house. (laughs) That's my worst nightmare. I'm so thankful for my husband's father because that is not something he does (laughs) that is literally my living hell so i'm really grateful it happens right like there's in-laws that come over and they criticize parenting they criticize your home and if it's your own parent it's a little easier to say hey shut up (laughs) 
That's right. <laughs> like back off. Yeah. Back off. Right. Like if my mom came over and criticized my house, I'd be like, well, you can go home then. Get out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> but when it's an yeah. in-law or your partner's best friend, it's challenging to navigate. And what we've found when it comes to those types of relationships is that it's actually your partner's job to navigate what's called the third. So it's called in a relationship, anything that is outside the relationship that's threatening it is a third. And so it could be a job, it could be an in-law, it could be a hobby. And if it's your partner's third, if it's your partner's friend, family member, job, it's on them. And so what I know it's so hard to not like end up presenting them rather than like the person it's themselves, you know, it's not like, Oh, like what's wrong with your dad. It's almost like what's wrong with you that you can't stand up to your dad. So it it gets super different. Well, it actually starts to break down a secure attachment in a relationship. So if I said to my husband, you know, honey, when your mom comes over and tells me that I'm doing a really bad job, feeding our kid or whatever, it Mm -hmm. hurts my feelings. And I need you to say something to her. My partner is supposed to be my primary attachment bond, right? So if my partner says something like, she doesn't mean any harm, or if he witnesses it next time, walks out of the room, it doesn't say a word, then what has started to happen is I feel unsafe in our relationship, not physically, but I feel like you don't have the advocate. That I, person's yeah, not there I thought for you, you were my person yeah. with my back and you're not having my back. And it's so important on both ends. So if you're listening and you're the partner who has a parent or a friend that is upsetting your partner, then how do you have their back? It's your job to manage that third. It's your job to, to have limits and boundaries. And the way that you do that is you use the word we or me. So you do not say them. You don't say, oh, Rachel doesn't like it when you come over and criticize the way that we do laundry. You say, I saw you criticize the way that Rachel does laundry and I don't like that. And you're not going to do that next time you come over. Or you don't say, you know, Liz doesn't want to come to Christmas at your house this year. You say, we have decided that this year we're going to stay home. So you use we. You want to not triangulate your partner in, in that and make them the bad guy. So those are some different ways you can deal with, with those dynamics. That's so good. I love all this because, yeah, each relationship is tricky and each relationship brings so much more like background yes. context and like hurt or even like attachment that was healthy or unhealthy to the table that like it's just so hard to walk through so this was all so good this I almost like I don't know this is how my mind works I just saw like a map you know those maps that are what do they call them where like they trickle down so it's like do you experience this yes or no and if it was yes I was like okay now walk through this this and this um I'm so thankful because that's how my mind works and so I just, I love this. I do have to say though, I was kind of giggling through all this because I was, my in-laws listen to my podcast. Like Marie, if you're listening, I love you so much. Um, my, like my sister-in-law, Lauren, like love y'all. Um, so they're going to listen and they're going to be like, what is she trying to say? Because I, it's as difficult because like my friends that we've been in the situation or even maybe some of my friends we've had to cut ties. Maybe they still, I don't know. So I just feel like 
this is a fun place to say like, this is a vulnerable conversation that I need. And I'm so grateful. And I like, we're all in the same boat. We are all stepping to this playing field with a difficult relationship in our life. So I just, I wanted to like set that, set that tone to people's head. There's nothing wrong with you. If you are experiencing a relationship that looks different than you had hoped. Cause I think that I had to deal with a lot of the shame. Mm-hmm. That's like, man, like, and the grief we talked about, like, Oh, I hate that this doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like at this point in my life. Cause I had dreams about having that friend or that sister or whatever, whatever. And, and I know, you know, so it's just interesting. Yeah. And everybody experiences that. Like there's nobody that hasn't experienced that. And I think sometimes, or most of the time, what we end up doing is we end up accepting when we are able to come to terms with, well, it's not totally fair that I'm actually trying to make this person fit my dream. This person wasn't created for me. This person is a person. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and <laughs> so I love them. I'm thinking, you know, like, let's say that you have a best friend and you always hoped my best friend is going to be the person who like does everything with me. The one that shows up at the hospital when I have a baby, the one that you know, comes yeah. over every Saturday and we watch TV all day. We go, go, we go get our nails done and blah, blah, blah. And then they're a wonderful friend, but maybe they're a flake and they say, yeah, I'll come get my nails done. And then 20 minutes before, sometimes they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I have a headache. I can't come. Da, 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 da. Sometimes it's because your friend's a jerk. And sometimes it's just that your friend's a flake. And I think if we can <laughs> learn to accept people and say, my dream was that I would have this person who like yes. literally revolves around me. And you know what? I still love them. They're a flake. I'm going to accept it. And that means that by accepting it, I don't make plans that are going to be ruined by their flakiness. I don't have to cut off my relationship with them just because they're a mm-hmm. flake. But what I can do instead is say, great, I was going to get my nails done anyway. Doesn't matter if you were there or not. Or, I'll go alone. Right. Yeah. or you can say to your friend, I know you're a flake. I love you but are you going to actually show up tonight? Cause if not, I'm going to do something different and <laughs> we can accept people for who they are. Yes. We can start to actually be a little bit more funny with them and playful about those things that are difficult and navigate them in a different way. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Especially cause I think when I, I don't, I don't know if this is like a personality thing for me or just something I need to figure out, but I've been working through in my coaching. Like if something or someone is bothering me, like it is not my job to fix it or them. It's my job to regulate myself, to approach it the most healthily and walk away with honor, like walk away knowing that I did my best. Like I, I treated them respectfully, regardless of how I was treated in reverse, like all that, that's the goal. Not that like my brother become sober if we're going with that situation from earlier like your goal is not to get your brother sober that is his own responsibility unfortunately as much as control we'd love to have a part of it it's not and so i think that that is also something tricky i bring personally to the table of navigating my own difficult relationships is i'm like let me fix you how i think you need to be yes which is so wrong and so prideful and not fair for them because if they choose to be a drunk for the rest of their life that's their choice like maybe they don't want that that's odd but maybe they do and i can't can it's not my job to convince them. Right. So that's what I'm personally walking through right now is like, yes, to the steps one, two, three. But at the end of the day, if it looks different, just like taking a deep breath and accepting it or grieving it and moving forward. I think you brought easier said than done. So, so much easier said than done. And I think you brought up something really important, which is the self-regulation piece. 
And I think people feel a lot of shame around that too. Like they might listen to this and think, okay, I can handle this situation. Like I'm just gonna, yeah. next time I- I got this. <laughs> yeah, next time my friend says something in public that really kind of makes me angry, I, you know, and I'm just gonna accept that's who they are. I'm gonna roll my eyes and walk away or whatever. I've got it. But then you get there and you feel activated by it and you yell at your friend or you stomp out or or whatever. And then I think there's a lot of shame because there's this idea of, well, I knew what I was supposed to do and I didn't do it. What's wrong with me? And I'm glad that you brought up the emotional regulation part because a lot of this is not cognitive. As human beings, we wish everything had to do with our brain power. <laughs> we wish that we were able to say, oh, well, I read a book and it told me if I say these words that I'm going to suddenly like turn my relationship yeah. around. Yeah. If only. If only it was that easy. We're actually controlled much more by our physiology than we are by our our you know, the, the things that we read and the things that we know. And when your brother is drinking, to use that example, or your in-law is criticizing you, or your friend makes a passive aggressive comment in public, it's very easy to read in a book that what you should do is say, I don't like it when you say things like that to me. Could we try again? Right. Your body will actually likely have a threatened reaction. And we are animals. And so when we feel threatened and relational threat is actually coded in the brain the same way as physical threat. So no way you don't know the difference. That's a fun fact. Yeah. So your body does the same stuff when somebody makes fun of you as it does if you're running away from a bear at different levels, of course, <laughs> if you're running away from a bear, <laughs> you need a lot more stress hormones, but the same stress hormones are being released at different levels. And so if you're, you know, taking care of your brand new baby and your mother-in-law says, I would have never rocked my baby that way. That's relational threat. And what's going to happen is your body starts to dump stress hormones that are protective. And those stress hormones make your heart beat faster. So when there's a difficult relationship, you hear your heart in your ears. A lot of people will say like, it's like, I know what I want to say, but I can't, your muscles tense, which mean that your, vo your, your vocal cords start to change. So your voice sounds weird. You don't, you either- Or your voice cracks, or it's like the saliva gets stuck and you have to like stop, breathe and reset yes. the word. It happens to me all the time. It happens to me all the time where it's like, uh, I can't get the next word out for some reason. And then, right, yes. Well, that's it's because it's contracting in your body. Um, and then this other really interesting thing happens, which is that your brain starts to turn off the parts it doesn't need to survive. And so... The, Big yikes. Yikes. <laughs> so if we're being chased by a bear, fantastic, because all I need to do is run and breathe and scream. <laughs> but... That's right. If I'm in a relational situation, my stress hormones actually start to close off the parts of the brain that help us be relational. So the part of the brain that goes off first is like a problem-solving part of the brain. So you stop being able to show curiosity or being, being open to um, new ideas. The other part of the brain that goes out the window is the ability to show like humor and affection, which makes a ton of sense. If you're being chased by a bear, you don't want to make a joke. You're not going to be like, hey, bear, no. want to hear a funny joke? <laughs> <laughs> 
And you're also yeah. not going to want to hug the bear. So you're trying to get away from it. But relationally, the problem here is, and this is like a flaw in the system. <laughs> the problem is, is that it actually helps us to feel safe with each other if we can show affection and humor. So if my in-law upsets me, it would be better if I was able to say, well, I'm so glad that you didn't hold them that way because that's why they showed, they turned out so wonderful. I hope I can only say right. that I'm as great as you. Right. Or, yeah. <laughs> or like being able to say something like, ugh, new mom problems. I haven't figured it out yet. Walk away. But we don't have that capacity <laughs> when we have that shut off. So right. what we do instead is we get aggressive or we shut down. And so we either mm -hmm. say, get out of my house. Don't talk to me that way about my baby. Or we just sit quietly and we think, okay, I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want any more abuse. And so I'm just going to sit here and shut up and keep taking it. Um, so, but all of this is happening in the body. And so what you brought up was how you've been working with your coach on how can I recognize what's happening in my body so that I can calm mm -hmm. it down. What are the signals? You gave an example, like if I, if I can't get words out and I notice I'm choking on my own saliva, that means I need <laughs> literally to like, that's so that's me. Yep. Yeah. I do too. I, I was talking to, <laughs> I had an interview earlier this year about something important, like really, it was like very high stakes. I was being grilled and I actually could not get words out. I've never experienced it to that capacity, but it was like the worst. Like, you know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, unfortunately, I am familiar. Yes. But that's all your body. And so what your body needs is it needs to dump those stress hormones. So if you notice that's happening in your body, whether it's an argument with a neighbor, your mother, in-law, friend, one of the best things you can do is step away for 20 minutes, even if that it's angry for 20 minutes, but it takes at least 20 minutes for those stress hormones to go away. It's really, really important to give yourself that grace to do that. Wild. It's so crazy how it's like, yeah, you can have the textbook answers, but in the moment, it's so different. And I think, we, yeah, we have to have grace for ourselves and honestly, like honor our creator and be like, there's a reason why like I get jumbled or there's a reason why like I can't do this on my own. And it's like a really cool way just to honor him be like, it's because I have to rely on you. It's not, it's like, I can't do it on my own. Like there has to be, there has to be like a different, a different approach that I can't rely on myself. Cause I'll let myself down every time if I try to do it that way. So I think that that's another cool perspective is being like, it's okay that this happens to you. In fact, it's normal and unfortunate. Like, of course we wouldn't have wanted to choose it. No, no. And I mean, it was, it's a genius design because you do need to be able to react that way if it's a life or death situation, right? Like, That's right. again, you don't want to be like cracking jokes while somebody's trying to kill you. <laughs> but the more that you can practice responding to relational threat, not dangerous relational threat, I'm not talking here about somebody hitting you. That's just danger. But relational right. threat is like somebody doesn't like me or somebody's rejecting me. Somebody might be mad at me. The more you can deal with that, by soothing your body as it's happening, the more you're teaching your body, this isn't the bear. This isn't that situation. And it gets right. easy. I'm sure you've noticed it gets easier over time. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, it only takes me losing it one time. And then I go back and I apologize. And then the next time I can joke about how I lost the first time, don't make me lose it again or something funny. And they're like, they're like, oh yeah, we seen Rachel upset. You know, like we won't go there. And I'm like, okay, like I can joke about it, but also lay my groundwork to be like, also remember, here's the line. We're not stepping over it this time. That is unfortunately a potential if that happens, you know. But that's great relational awareness to make jokes. Um, and when I tell people that, their first response is usually like, it's not funny. And I'm like, that's because you're still flooded. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Which funny mean that needs to be like 20 days, sounds like. Yeah. Yes. If that's still your response to me, we still need to work on getting you to feel safe in your body because... Yeah, it is a little bit funny how we react. <laughs> yeah, and, and embarrassing. But it's like, but what do you do with the embarrassment? You just apologize, recognize I'm human. Please don't do that again because I hate that version of myself. And not that you made me, but I, I want to make sure we can stay healthy is typically how I'd like to phrase it. And yeah. this is the line that that makes me feel safe in our relationship. Yes. And a fun fact about embarrassment is that the reason we turn red is because when people see that we're embarrassed, they make it easy on us. <gasps> what another amazing design. Another amazing design. I love that. So all of our facial expressions when we have feelings are meant to signal to people, right? Like we, when we get angry, we show our teeth so that people back up. That's not something we're consciously <laughs> doing. When we're embarrassed, we turn red because it's supposed to tell the village. <laughs> it's supposed to tell the group. I know I did wrong. You don't have to tell me. Oh, so, so wholesome. So wholesome. <laughs> yes. That was your happy of the day. We're all equal. We, we all get all red. Equal. We all get red. But it's it's to tell people, I know I did wrong. I'm I still am part I'm part of your group. Like I get it. I was just a big dumb yeah. dumb in the moment. And you don't have to kick me out of the group because I already know enough that I did wrong. So that's why people go on SNL after they make a big celebrities after they have a faux pas, they go on and make fun of uh-huh. themselves. And I don't know if you've ever noticed, once they do that, society loves them again. That's so right. Society hates them. They go on SNL. They make fun of themselves. They laugh. They show that they were embarrassed about it. And then everybody's like, <laughs> we all do it. Right. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, but it takes that. It takes showing up being vulnerable and like getting into that intimacy and being like, I'm like you, I'm sorry, I messed up taking responsibility. And then there can be some kind of reconciliation, not always, but hopefully not always, but you, you're really intelligent with the going back and saying, you know how I get. And like, you know, obviously you still (laughs) want to take responsibility to not get that way again. But by doing that, you're telling the others, I'm aware of myself. I'm aware. I know what I did. I'm laughing about it now because I've come to terms with it. And like, I'm, I'm regulating myself here by saying out loud that I know how I am. Right. So that's, that's a really kind of smart way to navigate those tough situations. Oh, this is so smart. This is like, oh my gosh, I hope everyone finds or knows a friend that either you have vented to, or you have been the listener during the venting session. And we can just send this episode lovingly to our friends to be like, Hey, lovingly, this is really helpful. I think you should push play. Um, Because I have those people in my life. I love being the listener, but yeah, but it's like, we have to find something to do with it, with all the negative energy. And there has to be some movement forward, whether it's what we had hoped or what we, you know, some kind of movement forward. And this is it. 
And Liz, you're, like I said in the beginning, you're a genius when it comes to relationships and have just made this feel so much more approachable have at least for me I'm like okay I've got steps and I've also got grace for when the steps don't work or come to mind and also I know I am not alone because these hypotheticals (laughs) I mean like someone else is walking through that right now so I just love this and I'm so grateful for all your wisdom this is wild to me thank you I'm gonna like this is one of those I have to like re-listen to but (laughs) those always make me cringe because I hate listening to myself talk but I just want to listen to you I'm like let me just listen to Liz the whole way through (laughs) okay one of my favorite questions to ask this has nothing to do with our conversation so sorry if this is like bamboozling you I love it what's something that you're loving these days that you have to share with our friends listening it could be anything it could be a shameless plug or an Amazon find any like truly anything um okay I am obsessed with wallpaper right now (laughs) like the real like the glue or the peel and stick all wallpaper and it's like a major obsession where like clearly I'm not going to wallpaper my entire house because it takes away if everything is wallpaper sure but I um is it the wallpaper behind you for people listening I can see her (gasps) Yes, we have an Airbnb and I just wallpapered the Airbnb. That's where I am right now. So I just wallpapered. I love that. I but so I'm so obsessed though that I have been finding anybody who will let me choose wallpaper for the <laughs> Wait, me. Me oh, for real. <laughs> we just moved into a house and it has peel and stick wallpaper on one of the walls. And I'm just not a fan of the pattern. But I love the idea of like a fun accent wall. Send you me know? A so so I'm uh, just best. Yeah. I just surf and then like I find wallpaper and I'm I have a um practice in Philadelphia called a better life therapy. There's the shameless plug. Um yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> love that. It was fine the way it was. It was beautiful. But I'm so obsessed with decorating right now that I was like, oh my gosh, this wallpaper would be great in this office. And it was really funny. Like everybody leaves at like 9 p.m. They came in the next morning at 9 a.m. And like multiple rooms had been wallpaper. Stop. <laughs> you pulled it all nighter for the wallpaper. I pulled it all nighter. It's like my my art form right now. <laughs> that is amazing yeah that's a fun one yeah so hopefully this gives somebody the pizzazz like the extra spunk to go and do it yeah because I feel like we all want to be brave with our interior design but we all like are so afraid to mess something up but you can't just go for it no I read so I'm like super into it right now I also read that if you keep everything else neutral you can do the most like insane thing in the room and not only will it upgrade the room, like it won't look insane, right? So you could have like a huge chandelier in this room and like have everything else be neutral and it would look amazing. So do something That's wild. That's a good rule. Yeah. <gasps> One wild thing. One wild. Or many. I mean, I, I kind of like many wild <laughs> things, but. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Okay. Also tell us all about a better life, our wellness all the fun things that you are so people can find you online and keep up with you now that they are equally as obsessed. 
Yes. So as you heard, I'm obsessed with relationships. So I am the co-founder of a company called Ours, and you can find us on withours.com. And it's Ours, O-U-R-S, as in a relationship. And we offer modern premarital counseling. So it's a really fun way to get prepared for getting married, whether you're engaged or just dating, honestly. We make it fun and not scary. So lots of games, surprises, <laughs> and lots of fun stuff. Amazing. And then I also own a practice that's in Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, New York, and New Jersey. And we offer all sorts of counseling, everything from individual counseling for, you know, a transition in your life to PTSD and trauma, um, and then certainly lots of couples counseling. And those are the two main things that I do. I have a book that came out several months ago called I Want This to Work. Yay, it's available everywhere. are sold. And if you want to connect with me, the easiest way is through my Instagram, which is at Liz Listens. We love it. Oh my goodness. Go grab all the things. We're listing all of this wallpaper, fun things, and more in our show notes. Always people can find that there. (laughs) But Liz, this was such a blessing to me. Like I'm walking away with legit tools and I'm like, (laughs) shamelessly, thanks for answering all my questions (laughs) and recording it for my friends listening. I'm just so grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful for you too. This episode of Behind the Bliss podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss episodes full of encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.